But if you can really surrender to this process, again, it's just pulling out what you already know faster and easier. And, and we get there and we have fun with this. So um, I can take who, who already has a great message and accelerate that in a big way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we explore ways to achieve those two goals. And people come on to help us who are so very helpful. Kyle Gray is a world-class presentation coach. He's a story strategist. He's an author. And he helps coaches, startups, and executives use storytelling to better communicate their unique value and improve sales with their audience. He combines timeless storytelling with cutting-edge marketing to ensure that you've got the right story to tell when pre while presenting on a sales call or in conversation, both online and offline. Kyle, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so excited and honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So I know that you tell people how important that their origin story is. So why don't you tell us your origin story so that we can learn how it's done? As a little point of clarification, even before, I think one thing that's really important to understand about origin stories is it's not always just about how I got into the business. Although um, that is a, the most intuitive use of an origin story. But if you think of it like that, then you only think you have one origin story in a way that you kind of alluded to. But if we think of it a little bit differently about when was the origin of the problem that I currently solve in my life most prevalent? If it's the origin of the problem, then I can have many different stories that will fit many different audiences. And here's one of them. A few years ago, I was hosting an online summit called the High Ticket Wellness Summit. I was very excited because I had just closed down my agency. I was running an, a really cool agency. I had teams of stay-at-home moms, brilliant, across England, Canada, and the United States creating these great high-end sales funnels. This was right when the pandemic happened and a lot of changes happened in my business. And the conclusion that I came through out of the tumbler of all that was that it was time for me to fully stand in my value and just own what I do, which is helping experts create great stories. And so without a team now, I wanted to make a new splash in the world. I'm still a consultant, but I'm also a coach. I'm a storyteller. How does this all fit together? And I put on the summit, partnered with this amazing team, and we've got like 1,300 people there. I am so excited. I've planned a trip to Hawaii after this. And one of my personal practices is I write in my spell book. And my spell book is the place where I write the futures, just like I write my stories that I would write in an origin story, but I write the details of the future. I'm going to make $14,000 off of this event. My group program is filled up with excited attendees, and I am boarding a plane to Honolulu. I just got upgraded to first class, and I ordered a celebratory glass of wine and buckle up for my trip to the islands. I would read that every morning and feel that feeling and conjure that idea. And then the time for my summit came. 1,300 attendees, everybody's excited, lots of energy. I interviewed 40 people. I spent a month interviewing people as a full-time job. And now it comes to the point where I'm giving my speech, my presentation, and I'm going to invite people into my workshop at the end of this event. I've got the best information, the best tools, the best techniques, and I start laying them out to the audience. People seem engaged. There's good energy. But when it time comes time to really make 
make my offer. Nobody's uh, that excited. Nobody's committing. The next few days go by and still no sales go in. That uh, vision I had, it, it comes time to take my trip to Hawaii. No first class, no glass of wine. I get in coach. I look at that tiny little plane across the screen, flying across this giant blue ocean, wondering what am I doing? Why am I going to Hawaii right now after this incredible loss. And the first couple of weeks were really dark. I was really sad, not sure what I was going to do, not sure how I was going to get out of this mess. But it was great that I had community at the time. And a few great coaches of mine suggested a couple of things like, hey, you just spend a lot of time developing relationships with all of these people. Why don't you call them and try and understand them and learn what they're doing? And so I started calling them and having conversations and making offers for my, my program again but also spending more time listening to them and really trying to understand what they needed instead of just thinking about the tools and solutions and all of the starry, dazzly things that I had. I would listen to them and then show, show them what they needed in their language. People started to become more interested. Those that were no's became yeses all of a sudden. And I can also remember at this time really practicing this spell book, this future crafting and thinking about what it would feel like to get a $10,000 private client. I had gotten clients at that level before, but I had a whole team to back me up. But now I'm claiming that on my own. And so I remember taking a walk down a street and just trying to feel what that would feel like. Uh, later on that afternoon, a call that I didn't expect to turn into that turned into that. And in a couple of short months, uh, I, I turned around my own communication how I saw my role as a storyteller and what was really important, not just my skills or my expertise or my experience, but really what my audience needed and how could I listen to them and adapt what I had to really serve them where they were at right then and there and still be able to be in my authority as a coach and as a leader. A, a couple of weeks after that, so I've been on the island for about two months, turned my destiny around, and I got invited to an event in California. By this time, I was doing good. I decided I'm going to move to the islands. I'm going to ship my car over across the ocean, and this is where I'm going to live. And so I'm going to go to this event and celebrate my uh, victory. And I can remember being in the airport in Hawaii, looking out at the sunset, getting ready for a red-eye flight across the ocean. One of my favorite experiences in the world. That's a little bit of sarcasm. As I hand my ticket to the ticket checker, she lets me know that I got upgraded to first class and I sit down and I order my glass of wine and I just go back over the last few weeks of sales and I had made exactly the amount of money that I had promised myself. The only difference that in this spell that had come out was the direction that the plane was going instead of going to Hawaii. It was coming from Hawaii, but I had made all of that come true and I had astounded myself. Because of that moment and because of that story, it's changed how I see the role in what I do and the power of storytelling that runs deep within us and the same words that can limit us, can energize us, can inspire us are the same things that we can use with our audiences if we learn how to listen and move and communicate in a really fluid, effective, and authentic way. Prior to COVID, prior to this happening, were you teaching people how to tell stories before that, or are you doing something different? I was. I was teaching people. I would do the same thing that I was doing right now, but I also would promise a full sales funnel, emails from the front end and on the back end of your presentation and offer, landing pages, 
and a whole bunch of that developed. I, I did well at fulfilling on that, but there was part of me that was kind of using my team to hide behind my value or, or pad my value. It was easier to sell when I could promise all of these other things. It was dimming my own light in a certain way. And um, when the pandemic came around and just there was there was a lot of choices made. Some of the team members couldn't continue to work. I couldn't we we weren't bringing in clients at the first little bit at that same level. And so we all had to make pivots and figure things out. Um, there was probably a lot I could do to have been a better manager building a team in the future. I would build it with a very different intention of not fulfilling for clients, but to serve and support me and my creative efforts. I've been working in storytelling in one form or another from content marketing to sales pages and copywriting now most recently. And when I say recently in the last six or so years in signature talks, storytelling, speaking from the stage. And I believe that that's a great foundation for everything else that I mentioned before. That. What I'm connecting to right now is wondering how you change your own story, what you were sharing with people that allowed them to then suddenly see themselves in you and think that you could be the right person to help them. That's a great question. And this is something I've, what I've tried to formulate or quantify this effect is a presence. And I have a, a four-step ingredient. There's, there's more to storytelling than just having the perfect story. And there's no single perfect story that you can tell that's going to get the exact result that you want everywhere, every time with everyone. In the same way that you couldn't be a martial artist, a jujitsu or a kung fu master and just have one really good kick, you know? You might win a few fights, but as, some, as soon as somebody figured that out, it would be all over. And, and a, a pro martial artist has a plan, but they're also able to fluidly respond to what's happening without having to think about it. A lot of experts, we've deeply forested our minds with experience and ideas, and we have a hard time deciphering which of the ideas we want to share. And that kind of comes across either as disingenuousness or scatteredness to the people that that we want. And it's really that we just don't quite know how to tell the stories. But if you were hesitating like this in a, in a martial arts moment, that, that would be Knocked a very out. bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we move with our stories? Our opponents are not our listeners, but our opponents are the limiting beliefs, the psychological structures, the lies, the illusions that they have been told that are keeping them from the better future that you're standing for and you're believing in. And even though there is no combat in this, a lot of times speaking on stage or speaking on a sales call or even on a really exciting podcast can feel just like that. And so we want to have training and practice to be able to fall back on so that we can be present in the moment. And which brings me back to the presence formula. I like to actually put it out in four letters, L-E-A-P. The first L is listening. The first step to great storytelling is actually being able to listen to your clients and figure out the words that they use to describe their problems. And it's better if we can get to the, like, think about what words would they use in a coffee shop with a friend to describe their problem. 
not talking to you or after they have gone through your program. And if we can start to immerse ourselves in that and start to think like that, um, then we can take that language and then start to put it into our stories. And that helps people feel like we're speaking to them. And it also does the work that we should be doing as experts. It's not enough just to have a skill set and be able to solve a problem. If you want to truly serve somebody, then it's your responsibility to understand how to communicate with them and how to talk to them in a way that makes sense to them. But this is lost on a lot of us as experts, and we forget this because we spend a lot of time with a lot of other smart people just like us who are talking just like us, and, and it gets lost on that, which brings me into my next level, E, empathy. And I believe that empathy in this context of speaking and storytelling is your ability to meet your client where they are in their language, which is a unfortunately undercultivated skill. And it also creates that, that kind of traffic jam in your head. When you're not being empathetic, you're not listening because you're thinking of 68 different stories that you want to tell and what you want to say before that person's even done talking. So you can prove to them that you're an expert, but if we can really listen, they will show you the answer and we can naturally choose the right story and be present with them. And they will feel that they'll start responding to you differently because of these two things. The third is authenticity. And this is being able to express your vulnerability with both a purpose and, and an intention and alignment. We've got to, we, there's, there's got to be some vulnerability we're willing to share, but it's got to serve a purpose and have a message. We've all seen the posts where we start to wonder if this person's okay when they start to overshare and we never want to be in that position. Uh, we, we, over, we try to overprotect ourselves as experts and we tone that down to, to avoid in getting anywhere close to that. But being able to be strategically vulnerable, knowing what stories in your life have the right emotional pull on you, and you can convey those effectively and strategically will uh, allow you to show up as more authentic. And then P, the final step of this, which is my favorite, is playfulness. It's not about having the best script. You're never going to have the best talk script to win you every time. And, and get all these things. And what people really want is they want you to be playful. And what does that mean? It actually demonstrates mastery. If I can be playful on the stage, then I know my stories and my content and my script well enough that I don't have to constantly refer back to them. I'm not stressed. I'm not thinking about what I have to say next, which brings me back. I'm allowed to be present. I can see Wendy in the back laughs at my joke. I remember at cocktail night, you know, the night before she talked about how she loves, you know, ficus trees in her house. And then I can, I can do that, but I'm comfortable enough with my content and I know where I'm going and I can control the energy that I can come right back onto that and get right back on the tracks with where I'm speaking. That's being able to be playful. And so if we can bring all of those elements together, combined with the frameworks that I already had mastered, but bring in our element of presence and actually live and embody the stories as much as just telling better words. Really incredible transformations start to happen from within the person, uh, within their teams, and of course, when they're speaking and in their marketing and in their sales. Kyle, when you're speaking with a big group, how can you do the listening so that you can show the empathy? That's a great question. 
And so a lot of this listening should happen before. As an expert, I would expect you, um, and I, I'm, I'm saying kind of the royal you, all of anybody who would be this, to be prepared enough if you were at that event to understand we can ask uh, the event planner if this is somebody else's event that's hosting this, who are these people? What do they need? What are their problems? And if we have that speaking opportunity, it's very likely that we know enough about that to have been invited. And so we can plan, we can really think about who is in our audience. I'll give you an example of, of what this looks like more in practice. I had a founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutritionists Association. His name is Reed. This is a, a functional diagnostic nutritionist, about a $10,000 health certification. He came, He signed up with me for a six-month program because he was speaking on, on five different stages over six months. The first two months, we were speaking to clinicians. Clinicians talk about success in a certain way for their clients and themselves. The next two months, we were talking to gym owners. This program works for gym owners. They talk about success for themselves and their clients and their problems differently. And then the third group was biohackers. They're different than the other two, but they could also be helped with this. Do we need to write three keynote speeches? No. We know the core ideas and the core teaching but there are, we can listen to them and understand what their language is, what success means for each of their clients and each of them individually. And what we did is we took stories that reflected success for the clinicians and we put that into the clinician's speech. And then we took them out like Lego pieces and put in stories that fit for gym owners and, and put a little bit more language that would really fit for them. And we did the work to make our intellectual material and content meet the audience where it is at. We did that with each of the different audiences, and but, but it also made it easier because we didn't have to rewrite things, come up with everything. What's the different story here? The heart and soul of what he was saying and the real value was always there. And just a few modifications made it more effective and better listening for each of the audiences involved. Al, do you think this differs when you're doing Zoom type presentations and you're not in person with people? I think that in Zoom, um, there are some things that are easier. Uh, it's, it's typically a little bit more of a relaxed environment, but I think that that also puts more pressure on you to be engaging and be interesting. Uh, one of the big problems that Zoom has that uh, being in person does not, being in person, you can really move with a lot of purpose, you can walk from one end. Some people do this really well, and some people are like a, a anxious cage tiger and make people nervous. People who do this well, you can move from one stage, you can be very expressive, and that's nice, and there's connective energy, and people want more of that. But you, you still need to be able to do that on Zoom, and one of the most important ways that you can do this on Zoom is by moving with your voice. You can elevate your pitch for certain things and you can lower it for certain things and really being able to move up and down and slowing down when you have something really important to say will make it feel a lot more important just because you slow down and so there's there's lots of fun ways to move with your voice and your sound and again this is where play comes in 
And this is where understanding the underlying frameworks is so good. So we can know where the story is going and what it needs. And that allows us to be a little more conscious in refining the subtleness of what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. Because I know Zoom, it can it's distracting when people are constantly using their hands and they're getting right closer and farther yeah. from the screen. And you're just like, when they're moving all over the place, you're just like, it just makes me a little... <laughs> seasick sometimes the way I, people interact with the you know with the audience when they're on zoom i saw the most fascinating thing on a zoom presentation a couple of weeks ago i've never seen anything like this i've been on a lot of zoom calls people but this person was giving a presentation and she was very animated like that and there was somebody else who was also very animated on the screen she was like right above the host and she was moving around a lot and it, it kind of seemed like she was on mute and forgot that she was like on a presentation and was just kind of like doing some calisthenics in her office or like having a conversation with somebody else. But as I started to look closer, it started to get stranger. And she was actually mirroring everything the host was doing and like miming exactly what was happening and maybe like exaggerating it a little bit. And I was looking at this, I've never seen, I don't know why somebody would do this or what their intention. I don't think it was malicious. I think it was some kind of compulsion, a very random tangent, but <laughs> brought on by like how distracting movement can be Absolutely. when it's not done with intention and purpose. Same with same with your voice, moving with your voice, if you don't know how, can be a little distracting. Yeah. I'm reacting to the fact that you work with that gentleman for six months. Is that a normal amount of time for somebody to put together how long was the speech that, or the conversation that he was having with people? It was a 45-minute signature talk. Which is a long and was it a long speech. It's a long speech, and there's a lot of details and finesse that can be worked on and developed over time. Yeah. But that's not how long it takes to develop a, a talk. I in, in my private program, I work in two ways. I have a VIP day, which is the fast gift which we can build a whole signature talk in a single day with a series of questions and drawing it out. Um, usually about four hours of work time, we can build a great talk that you're excited about that will take all of the brilliance that you already have. I don't have any answers. I just ask questions and draw it out of what you already have and put it together in a way that you haven't done before. But that gives people enough to get started, get going. But if you work with me for six months, I'm not just teaching you how to construct a single talk or work with a script. I'm teaching you how to listen in the same way that I listen and understand the stories as intimately as I do and to be able to improvise and react and tell new stories and iterate what you're already doing. And the creating of the signature talk is your earning of the white belt, which allows you to engage with this world for the first time. It is not the end or completion of what you're doing. And so those that start with the white belt, then they learn how to practice this, a, a good signature talk and understanding the key teachings and stories that would make up a movement to move somebody to a decision will transform how you do your sales calls, how you do your content marketing, how you introduce yourself to somebody who could be any of those things. Um, and and it creates an amazing sandbox to always be practicing 
our stories getting immediate response right away. Like one of the things that's happening right now, I love to practice my stories on podcasts and see how experts who have heard a ton of stories react and what questions they want to ask me. There's always a sandbox of which I'm practicing my core signature talk content and bringing it back. And this is, this is fun. It's fun when you can start to see it this way and have the flexibility and, and create a new level of depth to all of your communication. I do a lot of online networking and in person as well, when you have at the most like two minutes to explain to people what you do and help them to understand what type of person they could refer to you. Do you think that a story yeah. would have time to evolve in that short amount of time to help people to really get it? The format for a story like that, or when you would prepare a story like that is kind of like a speaking competition, a speak off where you would speak for like three minutes, but you wouldn't do that in like a networking, talking to somebody that would come off as kind of strange. What I would think is the tool for that time frame is something called a proprietary process. You want to be able to talk about what you do and how you do it and the results that you get in a nice, concise way that can be put together in, in that amount of time. That's enough to really get at the value, what's different about you, and the roadmap to the success that you create, and hopefully create enough to get people to lean in and want to know more. And so having that, a proprietary process, it also, it's it's giving a name to the work that you do and your intellectual property. It also get, creates a little bit of distance for you, from you. You can, you can say like, this is my, my awesome three-step plan. And you can talk about it a lot more easily than you can just say, I'm really smart. <laughs> and it creates a lot of freedom to, uh, to do that, that kind of work. And so having that proprietary process, it also creates like a foundation. I like to have three to five steps that point out the benefits of, of what it's like to be working with me over a certain amount of time. We can go into some examples if we want, but those should add up to the real promise that I have. And it's nice instead of what a lot of people do with these proprietary processes is they're prescriptive. We're going to go through your whole website backend and change all your analytics, or we're going to do all this stuff, all this work. Don't be prescriptive of the work that you're going to do with your clients. Be descriptive of the results that you will get once the work is done. And if you can think about it like that and use each of your steps as milestones to success, people will be leaning in when you're talking about it. They'll be excited. They'll be engaged. And this, once, once this really starts happening, whether it's with a proprietary process or with a story, um, your people, uh, the experts I work with, there's an immediate difference. They can immediately tell people are, are responding to them differently and that these stories are finally working and all that stuff in their head that they've been struggling to get out really actually is smart and people want it. They've just been saying it wrong the whole time, but it's very validating and energizing the first time when you start seeing those results. Yeah. It's like that adage or whatever it is, you know, people don't want to drill. They want to holes. So want the results. <laughs> I don't care how it comes about. I don't care what the tool is. It doesn't just make this. I just need to get something into here. And how can you make that happen? And, and like, how can you make that happen? I think that this is a really, a really good point to like what we want to teach 
a lot of us experts were kind of conditioned in an academic world and our academics teach the how-to and the details. And we've been going through all of our different certifications and we learn how to solve the problem. And we talk about this and we've gotten great results with our clients. And a lot of times we talk about the things that we've done with our clients um, in the same or in the same way that we we have we do on the stage, but that's not really right. And what I, I think focusing on is how we do this, or we want to instead of talking about how to do something when you're teaching, especially in this format, think about addressing the limiting beliefs that are keeping people from working with with something like you or engaging with these ideas instead of teaching them how to do something, which is kind of cumbersome. And a lot of times I have a word for it. It's overwhelming. It's both boring and overwhelming. But if we can teach to change beliefs, then we open up possibilities. And it actually makes it a lot easier. It takes a lot of pressure off of us to try and teach everything we've ever learned and really just focus on one key idea and one really important thing that we want to drive home. And I would think that the magic is figuring out what that is what's the most important, what's going to resonate most with your audience. I have yeah. 67 things I can do. What should I talk about today? Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I would ask is like, well, what are the biggest objections you get on your sales calls? And I think a lot of what I hear from, from people, for example, coaching, it's always mm -hmm. seems to come around to money. Oh, I can't afford yeah. that. Right. When of course they can't afford not to do it for many reasons. Cause I know that you the part that we haven't talked about yet, the mastermind, that yeah. you had already, you'd pre-addressed that issue, right? Is that, what do you, uh, do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, well, what does that mean? If uh, if they think it's too expensive, then they think that they're going to lose this money. Now, it doesn't matter what kind of coaching you do, whether it's dating or dieting or marketing or whatever. It still comes down to, I don't trust myself to be able to make good on this investment. And so how can we address that? Or the investment, what the ROI that I'm going to get is not that clear to me. If we're a relationship coach, it, the for the right person, saving a, a marriage could be worth thousands, millions of dollars. And it's all about how we can frame the value we create in a way that's really clear and tangible for them and how we can address those, those limiting beliefs around, around price. Sometimes it's able, we're able to really directly address those as marketers or with, if we can really connect our, our process to ROI. And sometimes it's a little more intangible if we're in um, health and wellness or romance or transformation. But we've always got to point at the the value of what you get. And it's your responsibility to make that picture super clear to them so that they are confident that making this investment in themselves will get them that bigger result. Yeah. And Kyle, you really nailed it because I don't even think it's always a question of them not feeling like you're going to give them the value. It's feeling like they don't have what it takes to follow through and make that actually work. A lot of experts out there, they only think about how do I compete against the expert 
who's exactly like me down the street. But a lot of the times our biggest competition is that voice in your head or, you know, their peers that they talk to or the conditioning that they've grown up with. And, and yeah, um, there's, there's, it, it, it opens up a whole new world when you can start to see, wow, really, where are my objections coming from? I see that you've done your homework spoken to lots of potential clients absolutely I've, it's it's been fun it's it's a fun process in my own sales to practice this and um it's so magical and fulfilling when you can really start to see the the momentum build when this stuff starts to click with others yeah so Kyle when you start working with someone how do you help them to sift through the thousands of stories that are in their head and figure out which ones are actually meaningful and that can be crafted or finessed to, to make the point that the person's trying to get across to their audience. I have a Google document with a series of questions that add up to a full signature talk. And I sit the person down like almost like a therapist. I wish they had their, their therapist chair they sit in and I just ask them questions. Who's your ideal client? You know, what are, what are their biggest problems? What is really that problem? Like, what's their big fear beneath that problem? What does that really feel like to them? You know, how does that impact their family life? And we start to move in or like, well, what's one of the biggest objections that they have? And how can we really speak to that? Or what's really important to teach here? And we start diving in and creating this friction and allowing the expert to first be in a relaxed state and know that they don't have to do the editing and so they just get to talk and then I push them in different directions. And, and if they are allow for that play, it makes it really easy for them to surrender into the process better and, and get out of their own ways. <clears throat> and we start drawing that out until um, we have the key ingredients. So here's what our client looks like. Here are our biggest objections. We know what those are. We know what the three things that are unique about us are. We know what our proprietary process is. We know what the key offer is. And so if I have that all written out in a document, it's like I have all of the Lego pieces on the board so that we can really start building. And then when I, when I work on like a VIP day or over an extended time or with any of my clients, I have a script builder that has line by line the key scripts and stories and frameworks and statements that add up to the signature talks that I use. And we can take everything that we did in the foundation work and just plug it right in and expand on the stories, fill in the content, which allows us to work a lot faster. And again, I think the magic here is being able to be playful, letting the expert get out of their own way and have somebody else do the filtering of what's going to be the information and the greatest service to them. And that's, that's what I think is really fun and unique about what I do compared to a lot of people who charge similar prices for creating talk workshops. You'll go for two days, get very small amount of time with a coach and kind of be guided through a thing and do a lot of your own work. This is very intimate where I'm leaning in and challenging your thoughts in a way that they probably haven't been challenged before, but at the other end is clarity that energizes and inspires you that gets your audience closer and we have fun while we're making it. Kyle, do you have an ideal client? Do you have a type of person that you feel like, I know I'm going to be able to really help this person and I'm going to have fun doing it? I love to work with people who are making the world 
a better place in one way or another. They're experts who are typically too smart for their own good, which means they get great results for their clients. They have tons of talents and they just get in their own way a little bit. They're coachable, they're fast actors. So they're ready to take information, even if it's not all the way complete or all the way perfectly detailed, but they can take a bit of information and be able to run with it quickly and then report back with ideas. So they are a very high quick start on their Colby score. And they come to me to get that charged up. Yeah, they have a their their big heart, they have a vision. Like I only work with people who want to make the world better and are aligned with the vision for how I want to see the world be better. And then particularly privately, most of my clients have something that I want to learn. I'm very selfish like that. I've worked with people in health and wellness, particularly regenerative medicine, Chinese medicine, all kinds of different. They have very high ticket offers, incredibly brilliant people, incredibly unsophisticated at sales. I work great with them. Uh, psychedelics is a very similar tangent, kind of a an interesting hot topic, not really sure what's allowed to be said or not. Uh, health and wellness has a lot of these same things. So it's a very interesting game for thought leaders in that to work on their communication, um, marketing, coaching, all kinds of, of leaderships. It's, it's a lot of those people that actually think they may not need a speaking coach right away because they have a successful podcast, they have great clients and things are working. But if you can really surrender to this process, again, it's just pulling out what you already know faster and easier. And, and we get there and we have fun with this. So um, I can take who, who already has a great message and accelerate that. Kyle, what if someone's listening and they say, oh, you know what? I may or may not be Kyle's ideal client, but he's my ideal teacher. How can they get more of you? Some of the places that you'll want to dig in or connect with me, thestoryengine.co. You can go there and um, get access to podcasts, books, lots of other things. And I am, uh, we talked about this around the time that this podcast is launching, it should be close to Black Friday and we'll be opening the doors to a mastermind. I've been working almost exclusively with high-end clients one-on-one -on -one, um, since uh, a, few, a few cases after that origin story I shared. I ran a few group programs and closed it down just to serve high-end clients. But now for Black Friday, I've opened up my mastermind again which is going to not only give you access to me and this really powerful rapid storytelling process I've been sharing about, but I want to take a lot of the things that I've learned, developing high-end relationships, creating speaking opportunities, and building with content just like we're doing right now, and point the group at each other. This means having them connect weekly to provide referrals, provide comments on each other's posts, upgrade what it what uh, the offers and each other's um, messaging and really having the the group support each other and facilitate a lot of things between our mastermind calls and I think that having people alongside you learning these frameworks practicing together and celebrating with you in this really unique and different process that is is actually quite challenging if you want to upgrade your visibility speak better and increase how many clients you want to attract, a lot of times you've got to confront your own limiting beliefs. And we have a lot of fun ways to, to do that too. 
But if you're ready to do that and you're ready to stand in that heat and share your message, then this mastermind would be a great fit for, for anyone interested. And this Black Friday price is, is the lowest price I've had for a program or coaching in, in several years. It's an amazing deal with a, an ROI guarantee. So you can learn more at thestoryengine.co slash mastermind. And you'll have some great accountability from all the other people. So you don't have to perhaps fear that you're not going to follow through. You're not going to do your thing because you'll be getting support and accountability from everybody else in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll all be getting our hands dirty. We'll all be messing up on our stories and telling them imperfectly. And I think that's, that's really the beauty of it. If we can get people engaging in that way, that's what creates the freedom and the flow later on. I'm assuming that's a virtual mastermind. Yeah. It's the virtual mastermind. We'll start in January. We'll meet once a week on a mastermind call. And when that call will happen, will be determined by the members. And this will be a call to facilitate connections with each other, report in on progress. And then hopefully between those calls, the members will be connecting to practice their stories, have referral parties and introduce people to each other, create content together. I, I would love everybody to leave reviews on everybody else's podcasts and just kind of have a big review bump right there. Just a couple of those can go a really long way. And so directing this group to support each other and be committed in this process in as many ways as possible uh, is, is really, really exciting for me right now. And also challenging to step out of me being in control of the whole process all of the time. Kyle, thank you so much for being with us. I could talk to you for a long time. I enjoy your stories. I enjoy, you know, all of your all of the experiences and fun things that you've been through and how you help people. It's wonderful. Christine, thank you for uh, all of the hard work that you've done to create this incredible platform, this um, wonderful audience. Thank you for your great questions that allow me to shine as an expert. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about the mastermind and my, and my work on this platform. It's a big honor. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to creating more with you and uh and showcasing your story more thank you for honoring me today on your podcast thank you and thank you listener for listening who needs kyle i know that you can think of a couple of people who you listen to them talk and you think Gee, i don't know what they do i just can't connect with what is important about what they're talking about somebody in a networking group that you know and every time they talk you think i just I just don't quite get it. I just don't know exactly how to refer them. This person needs to hear from Kyle. So just take a minute right now and forward this episode to them. They will thank you profusely. And so will we. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.